Welcome to the Void Checkers panel. So we have a uh, minor technical snafu at the moment. They have not provided us with a DVD player. <laughs> so those unfamiliar with the show, um, we, we are going to show the first episode of season two and then also a brand new episode that we haven't released yet, which is episode four of season two. So that'll be coming. We may have frantic tech people running over there at some point. Um, who here has not seen the show before? Okay, actually, oh, okay, it's a, it's a good mix. Um, so we are a sci-fi comedy. Uh, it's all locally produced. Um, Voyage Trekkers is an all-volunteer group. Um, we don't have uh, any financial backing. We're, we're fan-funded. Um, and, and really, we're kinda, we, we do this show because we dig it. Um, we're all grown adults, and we think that running around in, in lizard masks and with ray guns is a great idea. Um, season one came out about two years ago. And actually, it's taken us a year and a half to do season two. Uh, but it, it's one of those passion projects that we really wanted to do, that we really wanted, everyone wanted to be a part of. It was initially just um, a single weekend shoot. We were just going to do a couple of episodes. It wasn't going to be a big, big thing. I was actually like really downplaying it, um, and not to, because we had done other stuff before that just turned into huge projects. <laughs> so I was like, it's really not going to be too much. It's really going to be kind of small. Um, but uh, it just became one of those things that was really fun. That was really fun to do. And so when we, we released uh, the 10 episodes of season one, um, and then, yeah, we all decided we wanted to do season two. Uh, and so the initial season one was all kind of like, hey, let's get, get together and do something fun. With season two, um, we had kind of a new approach to the whole thing. It was, let's really bring our A game. You know, um, it's not that we weren't trying as hard as we could in season one, but we weren't renting equipment. We weren't really kind of, the episodes were very short. And so, um, you know, with season two, we really tried to throw everything that we could at it. So one of our, one of the things that we wanted to do is um, we wanted to build a bridge set for the crew. Um, and so that was, that was our big kind of uh, Kickstarter campaign was help us build a bridge set for the crew. Um, and so we were able to do it. It was probably the hardest thing in my entire life. Who else here would agree? <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so yeah, we're going to get more into it. But before we do that, again, we're, we're waiting on a DVD player. So we can, those people not familiar with the show, we're going to show you the first ep episode one and episode four. So that'll be 10 minutes. Um, but anyways, so I'm Nathan Blackwell. I'm the co-creator, uh, writer, and director of the show. And then over here we have... This is, oh, I'm Jenna Scarborough. Um, I was acting in the, what, the last episode of season one. And then they brought me back as kind of a, what? Yeah, have you ever seen one of those ones where they, it's like in Star Trek The Next Generation, they'll have someone play a bit part. It's like, oh, we kind of like them. And they bring them back as a totally different character. Yeah, That's been, I was blue before, and now I'm not blue. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I play Ensign Adams. Uh, I'm Craig Curtis. I am a co-creator and co-writer. I also play uh, General Kang in a couple of episodes, the, uh, the nemesis for the Captain Sunstrike. Casual also, nemesis. I also play, uh, <laughs> um, in season two, I also play Info the Robot. I'm a 
man behind the robot suit. I'm Logan, I play Commander Powell, debatably the worst crew member on the, st uh, on the ship. And, uh, yeah, and then I don't have enough power usually to get the, uh, the ship into trouble or anything, so I guess, um, yeah, but that's pretty much what I do. I'm Nathan Stipes, I'm the production designer, and I do a lot of the, the prop work and stuff like that. Andy Bell's uh, info, <laughs> along, with, along with our left here. Hi, I'm David Stipes. I'm the father of this guy. And so I'm the visual effects consultant, uh, sometimes compositor on the show. I think and your official title is visual effects supervisor. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I supervise as well. So thank you. And, and so um, you've worked on sci-fi before this, haven't you? A couple things, yeah. Such as? Okay. Great setup. All right. Uh, I worked on the last two episodes, last two seasons, rather, of Next Generation. I worked on the first two seasons of Voyager. Worked on the last three seasons of Deep Space Nine. Worked on a couple episodes of Enterprise. Also worked on the original V. Worked on the original Battlestar Galactica and the, the 70s Buck Rogers, the 25th century. Um, and Real Genius with Val Kilmer, real one of my favorite. Real Genius, Creep <laughs> <laughs> Show. So this is your second production then? <laughs> yeah, a couple. <laughs> cool. So um, let's, since we're, we're, we're going to be bringing in a laptop and showing you guys the episode, so let's just go ahead and, and talk a little more how. Um, for the people who don't know about the show, how would you describe it? That's for everyone. <laughs> Well, um, our primary pitch is when you're here over and over if you hang around our booth downstairs. Um, the basic pitch is that it is uh, the story of the worst starship crew in the galaxy and their, their exploits as they try to, uh, they're looking for adventure and they get into trouble and then they stay in trouble and sometimes dig themselves in deeper. Anything to add, Luke? Um, <laughs> He's the talented. We're, the yeah. We're hoping to make a movie which might be difficult because usually, you know, the uh, what I mean, that's no <laughs> So, um, season one, um, you know, so you know, a lot of web series don't want to state how much their budget was, um, but I'll totally tell you guys what season one cost. It was only about two thousand dollars. So when it comes up to the 10 episodes, it was about $200 an episode. Um, and we were able to get a production value that looked a lot better than that um, by having these wonderful volunteers, these really talented people, and then also just being smart enough about how we would do episodes. Um, we were able to do more than one episode in a day by the, by the way that the scripts were written um, and, and just how we kind of, um, you know, approached it in terms of equipment, uh, things like that. Um, so season one um, is about ten, is 10 episodes and they're about two to three, two to five minutes long. With season two, um, we really wanted to add a little more meat to the bone. And so it's, it's kind of like season one was the original series of Star Trek where you could watch it 
out of order, it was episodic, and so you, could, you wouldn't know if you shuffled them around too much. Um, and then uh, season two is a little more like Star Trek The Next Generation, to where there is that episodic stuff, but there are some storylines that are actually uh, throughout the season so that we could uh, develop the characters a little more. And um, in addition to the bridge, one of the things we wanted to do was actually create a ship. So in season one, because we didn't have, didn't actually have the bridge, we didn't have, you know, the ship. Everyone was on away missions, and since we're, you know, we're local, um, there was a, a disproportionate amount of desert planets, <laughs> and so um, yeah, we actually, uh, in uh, episode four of season one, um, there's actually a an episode that's in a jungle, uh, and that was shot at the Phoenix Zoo. <laughs> With permission. <laughs> I, I used to work there. That was one of my part-time jobs, and so we still had some favors left. Um, but uh, yeah, with season two, we really wanted with their ship, there was an important thing of, of us being actually to see the characters in their, their home, in their home environment. Um, and so that was one of the big reasons. I mean, obviously, there's like a big wow factor for having the bridge and having the ship. But more importantly, if you kind of look at this like, like a TV show, which a lot of web series are kind of compared to, kind of like web TV, um, is that you want to kind of return to the world, you want to return to the characters, and so um, having them actually at their home base when they're, when they're in their normal dynamic was really appealing to me. Um, so uh, let's see, um, since we're still kind of stalling a bit. Question over there. Uh, give a quick rundown of the major characters. Oh, good. So, so okay, so he's helping me out. Okay, so anyways, um, the uh, the show uh, is about um, so it's the GSV Remarkable. It's it's similar to um, Star Trek, but it's not the same. It's it's it's, it's a fictional universe. We're basically kind of like the um, sibling of Galaxy Quest. You know, we have the same parent as Star Trek, but we like them created a fictional universe that was that had a lot of similarities and connections to it, but yet we, we would have enough liberty to kind of invent a, some new stuff, new costumes, and, and kind of interject maybe a little Flash Gordon into it. But the, the main captain, Captain Sunstrike, um, is the captain of the GSV Remarkable, which is the, quote, worst starship in the galaxy. Um, so the whole idea is that they're part of the Galactic Union, which is like a normal space-faring, it's like the Federation, where you've got people who know what they're doing, you know? And these guys are not those people. <laughs> Basically, he, um, what's revealed, this is a little bit of a spoiler, not huge, um, but in season two, it, we, we find out that Captain Sunstrike um, is not the only Captain Sunstrike. His older brother is basically like Kirk. So this is like the, the adventures of, of Rob Kirk, you know, and so his older brother is the famous one, and then you start to piece together, oh, that's how he got his ship. Um, and so this, the GSV Remarkable is basically the dumping ground for like the worst officers in the Galactic Union. Because well, they can't fire him, he's famous, you know, he's part of a famous family, but they kind of put the problem uh, crew members on this ship. Uh, Dr. Rena, that's his, um, is uh, kind of, it's almost kind of his second in charge. She's the doctor. Um, she's really kind of the conscience of the, of the group. Um, she's a fox. 
and she's a fox. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's not the character you play, is that correct? <laughs> okay, so you're not plugging yourself? Nope. You're also a fox. Um, so uh, Dr. Arena is kind of the, the vocal, um, uh, you know, she's kind of the conscience of the group, um, but she's not without her own faults. Um, and then Commander Powell, who's the real second in charge, played by Logan Blackwell right there. <laughs> um, he's, the, he's the first officer, and he's kind of like the willing, um, how would you call him, uh, nonchalant, the willing, willingly complicit? Uh, I'm caring. I'm caring. <laughs> second officer. Just say like awkward in general. Right, exactly. So, okay, cool, we got the laptop coming in. Um, so, yeah, um, the, the original dynamic of the three was in part kind of inspired by um, Star Trek. But we wanted to make sure that the three characters were not like this guy is Spock, you know, or this person is McCoy. We wanted to make sure that the three characters were not a metaphor or kind of like a parody of the other ones. Are you on your lunch break from work? Are you on your lunch break from work? <laughs> that was yesterday. Yesterday, Logan popped by on his lunch break and then left, and that was it. <laughs> Pretty dedicated guy. He's all business. He's a little party, too. Got a question? Well, I was just going to say so basically, this show is like, um, for what it is to Star Trek, Venture Brothers is to Johnny Quest. Just kind of a spin-off. In, in a strong sense, absolutely. There is a certain um, underlining theme of failure in both in both shows. Uh, the, the, our, our voice checkers crew is set in a universe that is it's supposed to be really you know, the, the universe is not the joke. It's it's these guys who are the um, fumbling idiots of of this universe. So it's very much a sense of. Um, uh, ineptitude with this crew, and it's not by accident either. It is they're basically given this archaic starship that is eighty plus years old. Uh, they, uh, you know, it's run down. All the others of that kind have just been completely demolished. It's, it's useless. It's just uh, so it's just like a, a firefly. Yeah, it's it's just completely outdated. And they just put all of their problem officers, all of their problem crew members, anyone that. Uh, their family's too famous to fire, or they just can't fire them, or I thought of myself reason. as like an intern. Yes, and uh, Ensign Adams is there basically on what is the equivalent of the GI Bill, uh, <laughs> so that uh, she can go to her liberal arts college after her tour of duty. Uh -huh. uh, There's someone back there. Um, I'm just curious, have you ever heard of the anime called, it's kind of old, it's called The Irresponsible Captain Tyler? No. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of the same plot, but they, this guy keeps getting promoted because this admiral wants to see him fail, and then he keeps like not failing by accident. <laughs> Our characters are not that successful. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to be direct parodies, but how would Commander Powell compare himself to Commander Riker? I can't grow a beard. <laughs> I had to do an accent um, for season two for just a split second. 
And I was telling Nathan, you know, uh, I can't do an accent. He was like, perfect, we want it to be a bad accent. And I was like, I can't even do a bad accent. Like, nothing close. So when we wanted me to do like a cockney kind of thing, and it came out kind of Scottish. Uh, <laughs> he owes me like a million lunches for doing that on I think too. But he got, he was like, no, we can't do a Scottish accent because we don't want you to be like me. We don't want anyone to think we're. And the thing is, um, you have like maybe two or three lines in that episode, and one of them is with an accent. So if all you heard was that line, you might think that that character has that accent. So if, if that comes I did up, a good job. You did a very good job because the, the uh, Ensign Adams, the, uh, the Cockney slash Australian lady in the back of the bridge, uh, when, when she pops back up later in the season, people are going to be upset that, oh yeah, what happened to her accent? Oh. Well, that was the thing, though. I only I could only say it in the in my line because I I walked around my house saying it. Technology. On with the show. Yeah, if this didn't work out, this wouldn't be my final public appearance. <laughs> and I don't understand humor, but this is funny. So please turn the telescreen off. We are on YouTube. So yeah, if you, if you check us out on, if you go to YouTube and you check us out at Void Checkers, that's our, our uh, channel name, uh, that's where you can find these episodes. So all of season one is on there, and when we release season two, we're in season two right now, and we release uh, every other week now. It was originally every week, but then we realized we needed more time to do the visual effects for episode 10. We had so many, we've, there's so many visual effects, we're trying to really give you, you guys something really cool for the season finale. It's basically going to be our characters in like a, a live or die, ship to ship combat situation. Um, and so there's so many effects for the season finale, it's gonna take us more time to do it. So we're going to every other week. However, every single week we're still gonna release a video, um, it, but it'll be stuff like behind the scenes. Yeah, I noticed they're all, um, you know, they're all great little little bits. Do you see yourself in the future doing more linear, fuller episodes? Or do you like sticking to the, the short, quick, um, and connected kind of segments? Okay. Well, we'd love to do a chance to do uh, fuller episodes. Obviously, uh, we're kind of limited in terms of budget and time and resources uh, to do anything bigger than a web series right now. But down the road, we'd absolutely love to uh, get a chance to do um, some either fuller episodes or at least a larger story, and we'll, we'll hopefully work towards that eventually. But for now, we're showing the, um, I guess, the choicest cuts of what was what, what would be considered a longer episode, but we're just seeing the best parts of individual episodes right now with this, uh, with season one and season two. Oh, and, and one of the things we, so it was season one, the season finale is a choose your own adventure. You can actually choose at two different points what direction the story goes. Uh, and so our idea to kind of up the ante for season two was to actually do a four-part story. So uh, episodes seven, eight, nine, and 10 for the season two finale is actually one solid story that kind of comes together like it's a half-hour TV episode. 
Now, you mentioned you had a budget of around $2,000 for, for season, for season one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yet the music that I was listening to was pretty cool. Like how I mean, the whole process of music, like with that kind of budget, how did you deal with like the orchestration? Like who, who wrote the music? Friends in high places. Do you want to talk about that? Friends in high places. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the composer's name is Michael Markowski. He's just kind of our friend. He's a really, he's actually like a renowned, like what, what does he do? Um, he's really well known in um, actually band music. And so like college stuff and high school stuff. Yeah, he had like a grant when he was like in high school or something. Like he's serious business guys. Like we're not playing. <laughs> and he, uh, he got, what, what college, was it NU? Um, yeah, so um, that, for the very first episode, what you were hearing was actually a 59-piece orchestra. Um, and uh, they are based in Macedonia, <laughs> and they charge by the hour. <laughs> and so um, he, was able, we, he was able to record the very first episode and our um, main theme with them. And so for all the other episodes, it actually, it's, it's the same level of quality, but he's doing it uh, on his computer. So yeah, obviously, I, I, and then also for the season finale, we recorded the, um, the soundtrack uh, at NAU with their um, wind orchestra. It basically, it's a student orchestra, um, but uh, it was a really cool experience actually to record um, that, that the, the season finale all with live musicians. So yeah, that was, that was, that was a really awesome experience. That's kind of the structure of the whole show is we have lots of friends. Yeah, not yeah. Um, not one person on this um, show has been paid, including myself. Um, it, we we just all do it because we want to do it, and I think that's an important part to the experience. Uh, oh, before I um, answer the next question, the gentleman over there, I want the the other cast and crew who are in the audience to go ahead and stand up. We've actually got our admiral and the, the terrorized looking. And then, and then the terrorist who is over there. Brilliant. Thank you guys. They are among us. We had a question over there? Yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, the bridge actually looks like, you know, it's really full size, you can move around on it. Where would you build something like that <laughs> without, like, needing a full auditorium? David, do you want to get that one? Not where we built it. <laughs> we wound up building it in a um, machine shop that uh, Nathan had an opportunity to talk to the person and got them to loan us the machine shop for free. The guy had a huge work area in there, but um, it, free isn't always the best way. I'll, if I can speak out of uh, out of turn here slightly, as it turned out, uh, we wound up working on this thing, needing lots of time all weekends and some of the like Mondays and Tuesday nights and things when we had time off, only we start getting interrupted by people having weddings at a machine shop. We actually got in, we actually got shut down for a wedding. And then a volunteer group moved in next door wanting a, a ultra clean environment, but they're in a machine shop. And so then they were complaining about our dust and everything. So it became kind of a challenge. But we uh, we have Kenneth Backer out here. Kenneth, Kenneth. Our Kenneth, construction manager. Yeah. He, he, supervised, 
He masterminded and supervised the construction of this set. It was 25 foot by 25 foot and uh, about uh, eight and a half, nine feet tall. It was just an amazing piece of work and it was brutal. It took three months of weekends to put this thing together. Did, didn't, you, didn't you say that it was larger than one of the Star Trek bridges? Uh, or as large? Yeah, it's, it was uh, almost as large. Yeah, the, there were the Star Trek bridges were more wide, yeah, but yeah, it was it was pretty intimidating and pretty daunting, and pretty massive and pretty cool when it was all finished. And so we had uh, a lot of great work in there. Nate, uh, tell us about some of the, the the work that went into like designing specific like stuff. Like how where did we get some of the things that actually made like the textures and shapes? <laughs> Uh, a lot of that was just scavenged from Goodwill, uh, bits and pieces of dead electronics, things like that. Uh, we found a pretty cool place called Apache Reclamation Exchange. And uh, we went over there, we bought a whole bunch of little buttons and lighty things and dollar store LED book lights and all kinds of just things like that. Dollar store was amazing. Dollar store was pretty. Yeah, dollar store lights are your are your best friend until you realize they're only designed to last for like three hours. Uh, change the batteries. Oh. <laughs> Battery runs. Kenneth also uh, found a lot of great uh, lighting resources, specialty lighting. Uh, there, you have to uh, import them from uh, China, I believe it is but there were absolutely amazing things. And it turns out it's a lot of the same kind of resources uh, that, that the people on uh, Iron Man are using for their lighting effects. So. And the uh, Dr. Arena's station where she's got a big monitor, that's just my living room TV. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was really funny was we would make them a call cut and then they'd start building again. It was still happening, like, while they were filming, they were like, okay, but that's the next place you gotta shoot, so you guys gotta get that done. They're just like, working their butts off, it was amazing. Yeah, it, that, that is one downside to getting something for free, is usually um, it, it becomes two or three times more stressful if you're suddenly not paying for it and you're not in a situation to where you can make like certain understandable demands. You have to work around what they allow you to have um, and so it actually does put you in a, in a situation to where they can then retract that offer. Um, however, that being said, um, it was an amazing experience and we probably, if we hadn't shot in that machine shop, I don't know how we could have done it. I don't know if we would have had the opportunity to actually do that. So uh, I don't regret the situation. I just regret that we didn't have more money. Yeah, it was still, in, it, yeah, so in, in defense of them, it was still uh, a, a wonderful um, uh, thing that they, uh, that they helped us out with. The, uh, pep, the guy that owned the uh, machine shop, he, he had various stresses put on him, but uh, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, here we are building this thing with table saws and sanders and things, and then the other people who were trying to rent the place were complaining about the dust, so then we're not allowed to use the saws, then we weren't allowed to use spray paint, and it's like, what? How are we going to build this thing? We're over there dusting off the desks every time we saw it in the air. Yeah, I was yeah, we're yeah, going we, into their space, cleaning their stuff up. We never, yeah, we never told, but we snuck over to their side and cleaned up their things. <laughs> yeah, but Brian, I mean, not Brian, but Nathan Blackwell, he wound up having to sacrifice the uh, plaque. You know, on the Star Trek uh, sets, they always had a, uh, a launch plaque to talk about all the people and name the ship. Well, we actually had one 
rather remarkable, and that got sacrificed to the guy who owned the company just to keep him thinking. Yeah, yeah, but we were we were happy to do that because yeah. he did some yeah. big favors. There was a pretty cool issue of humidity also. That was fun. The set was actually warping while we were building it. So our flats wouldn't fit together right and everything. We're like, oh god, Bondo and, and Spackle and things. I have a question right there. Well, since you guys have some experience working with students up at NAU, have you thought of reaching out to maybe one of the theater interns? Of, Yeah, well, we, um, um, David Stipes actually teaches at the Art Institute of Phoenix, and um, he teaches visual effects, and so um, he's got access to, here, why don't you just, you talk about it. <laughs> well, we've had, uh, how many people we've had over there? 25, 35 students, probably on the last, uh, last few Maybe not that many, but close. But I mean, overall, not all at once. Right, but, right. But we had a lot of visual effects students, we've had animation students, we've had film students. Uh, who are there? Uh, some of them are just really, really amazing. We had, uh, you know, like for example, Arlette Perra right here is one of our students. Uh, one of our fellows who just who just left a minute ago is doing the map painting. He's one of my map painting uh, visual yeah. effects. If you, if you like the costumes, yeah. like her. Yeah. Right, it's Arlette Perra right here. Yeah. And we had a number of students, and I keep constantly bringing them into the projects and. They come in and do, some work just a few hours or work a day and they go away. Some just stay on, uh, like Chad Breaker, who is just is relentlessly determined to keep working on the show. So, so and it, it just winds up working out pretty well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so as to the actors and actresses, did you go through any asking process or was it just a few friendly polls offered the role? Any actors want to answer that question? What was the question? Uh, how did how, how were people cast? Was it a casting? Nathan made me. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did. He was like, hey, uh, so I wrote, wrote something for you. Oh, okay. And that was oh. it. You know, it, he's made so many wonderful. We met in film school, and you just kind of see the work that a person's done, and you want to be a part of it, and you let them know that, and then they say, okay. For free, right? Yes. Okay. So that was that was my experience. My friend wanted help, and I I wanted to help. I wanted to be a part of it. But I mean, may, mostly you worked with everyone before. Plus, your I mean, your brother he, he has to do whatever you say. <laughs> yeah, I remember being asked or even being told, probably just like I want to invite Shaker show up this time. You need to clear the third Saturday of this month. Yeah. Um, you don't say no. You don't say no to something like this. You don't say no to Nathan Blacker. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's actually uh, the kind of thing when we were originally coming up with series. For the most part, we came up with uh, we had uh, people in mind for the roles, and we kind of built the characters around what we knew they could do. Uh, Captain Sunstrike was really kind of built around Adam, and most especially uh, Commander Powell. Uh, was most certainly Logan Blackwell. I mean, even now when we work on scripts and stuff, so often if Nathan and I are working on something, uh, we'll say, and then Logan does this, and Logan, does, oh, I mean Commander Powell does this. <laughs> it's just he is it, he has become enmeshed in the role, and so uh, uh, so much of the time uh, we we like to find people we like to work with, and um, we build the character that we want them to play to their strengths and, and 
their post-effective use? You know, th there's actually not, you know, initially there, you know, we just wanted to work with people we wanted to work with, you know, we had done a lot of short films. Uh, Squishy Studios, our production company, we've been making short films under that banner since uh, 2007. Um, SquishyStudios.com. Uh, and so we've worked with a lot of people, and so we knew who were fun to work with, who were, who were good at what they did, and we just cast voice trackers with those people. We didn't do an audition. We was like, hey, Gabby, do you want to do this? And she's like, yeah, okay. Um, and then for like some of the, the other characters that we brought on board, like Jenna's and St. Adam's, I had known her, and I actually did create the character around her personality, and that's one of the An things that I- teenager. Yeah. And that's what he thinks. Right, and as, as we continue to, to do other stuff, we probably will uh, do a, a, an audition, but there's actually not too many parts. If you, know, if you saw, there's, just, there's actually only a couple of speaking parts. Um, and, and one of the things, I mean, you can, you can take, uh, an actor is kind of like a, a, a unique crystal, and you have to kind of use their strengths and their advantages in, in it and not kind of chip away and bash until you, you kind of have what you wanted, you have to use what they do really well um, to their advantage. It's like, Logan um, is Logan. <laughs> he, he's, Logan delivers his stuff in a very specific way, and instead of treating that as a disadvantage, you can use it to push it even further and, and, and bring more comedy out of that kind of stuff. <laughs> I wanted to add something here, uh, kind of maybe pushing out a little bit on the edge of this. Uh, some of you may be thinking about trying to put together your own projects, that sort of thing. One of the things that does happen with Nathan Blackwell, he's not paying me to say this, by the way, uh, but people want to work with him because he's a nice guy, he has creative projects, his projects are fun. So if you're interested in doing projects done. of your own, what's that? And they get done. And they get done, they're not just hot air. Um, so if you're interested in doing projects of your own, you want to be like that. You want to be the person with the vision, with an idea, who does get things done, and who is a nice enough person that you want to be with them, and you want to hang around with them, you want to support them. And that's the way um, that I feel about Nathan Blackwell, and I think a lot of people do, because people come out of the woodwork wanting to help him. He's got people from all over the world that are trying to uh, either directly help him or else offering to help him. The effects stuff came from Australia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah he he was just a. Oh, thank you so much, David. Oh. But uh, yeah, the, um, the the gentleman who does the visual effects for the the starship, like the like the actual CG model, he was just a fan of season one, and he lives in Australia, and he basically sent. Um, you know, me an email saying, hey, I really want to be a part of this. Here's an example of my work. And I looked at the example, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you get, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I forget your name. But last year you were here at Comic-Con, and you said, I want to help, right? And, I mean, he was, he just said, I want to help. And then he helped build the bridge. I mean, you guys have a lot of fan support. Like, that's kind of, I think, you know, if you guys want to hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll find, like, showed up just for a few hours one Sunday to help paint the set, right? Yeah. He wasn't just sitting around, like, just 
big director of Austin people around. He was dusting, you know, he was cleaning up the dust, <laughs> garbage around and everything himself. He was working harder than anybody else there. That's that's how you leave. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get a picture of you guys. Do you want to be in my picture? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna do a panorama. Lots of energy. Ready? All right, here we go. You ready? Okay. Here we go. He's gonna go on our Facebook. Well, I need to slow down. Oh, people are walking up. Oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> Awesome. Well, we've, we've got to wrap this up, unfortunately. Um, we, we're done at four. Um, check us out on Facebook. We're also on YouTube, Voyage Trekkers on Facebook. If you have any questions about the show, or if you have any questions about web series, like if you're making your own, just go ahead and send me a message on, on our Voyage Trekkers Facebook. I'm the one who manages it. Um, thank you guys so much for coming out. Also, yeah. I wanted to let you know, uh, if you like the Voyage Trekkers, uh, you can also check out the Voyage Trekkers novella, which is available as an ebook on iBooks, Kindle, or uh, yeah, VoyageTrekkers.com. Or VoyageTrekkers.com. It's free, except for Amazon. You have to charge 99 cents for Amazon. Wait, don't leave. I have something to But say. yeah, you can check that out. <laughs> Um, we also, there's also a booth. Yes, so we are here, we're going directly to the, our, our booth. Look what I got at the booth. <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested, we are selling season one DVDs there, um, and the posters. And if you sign up for a newsletter, you get a free button. Um, buttons are sweet. We, we are right, our booth is um, over by the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> we're, we're near that big 2500 banner, so come check us out. Thanks guys so much. <laughs>